I was a young boy that had big plans. Now I'm just another shitty old man. All right, welcome back to another meeting of the Order of the Straight Arrow. You have myself, Dustin, Troop Scout leader, lays with Beeb across from me. This is Denim Wall. This is the Troop Historian. I'm known as Smoking Dart. And in between the two wall boys, you have myself. I'm Miles, a.k.a. Chief Runs with Bins. And today we have a special guest with us. Uh, hi, I'm Nathan Pond. Also, <laughs> <laughs> I said that backwards. Hi, I'm Nathan Pond, also known as Elder Little Pond. And we're always happy to have you here. Yeah, it's this... The speciality is running low on the guest here, but... I mean, he does have to take a big boat to get here. He does. It is a very special trip. We much appreciate it. Thank you. Well, thanks again for having me. Would it kill you to put some pants on this time? (laughs) (laughs) So before we get into our straight arrow oath, uh, we're recording this on a special day. And I think the historian would like to give us a little lesson about it. Yeah, so I'm the one here who's in the most green. Um, I'm... It's, I mean, the day today is obviously Green Day. (laughs) We are all here to record the episode of King of the Hill where Green Day is involved. But, I mean, this is a little peek behind the counter, but we do record these episodes a little bit in advance. And this is also St. Patrick's Day. It is. So, um, I I got us all uh, here a little uh, Guinness so we can enjoy... uh, Thank you. We can enjoy St. Patrick's Day the honest way. <laughs> Cheers. Should we go round table we on you right now? I think yeah. so. Uh, you know what? By the time these are done after we pour them, we'll be able to drink them after the <laughs> <Yeah>. next <laughs> oath. Okay, let's get a round table we Tanya. Tanya. Oh yeah. All right, so that brings us to our Straight Arrow Oath. This week's oath brought to you by the Arlen Bystander on Instagram. That is at the underscore Arlen underscore Bystander on Instagram. Your eye in the sky and fly on the wall for all things Arlen. Follow this week for a coupon to Arlen Fun Center. Buy one, get one free on all blue bags of paintballs. For the Blue Collar Tuesdays, when everyone over 40 pays half off before noon. (laughs) For those in scout uniform, three-finger salute. Those in civilian clothes, hand over your heart and repeat after the historian. A straight arrow tells the truth. A straight arrow loves nature. A straight arrow shall not do this or that. And a straight arrow is always against Bill HR 57, which would allow the importation of South American propane. Can I get a round table? We met Tanya. We met Tanya. All right, cheers. Cheers. Oh, that's good. Oh, yeah. You got a bit of a mustache, our kid. <laughs> I got it. I got it. So we're still on season two. This is the seventh episode. 
First aired on November 16th, 1997. This will be the 20th episode um, that we'll be covering overall. Entitled The Man Who Shot Kane Skretterberg. It's uh, written, this episode is written by Johnny Hardwick, who's also Dale Gribble. And uh, this is his third writing credit after Hank Got the Willies and King of the Ant Hill, both from season one. Um, he writes five more after this for a total of eight. Um, this episode is also directed by Monty Young. He did the Hank Scott the Willies earlier, but this he's only done two episodes. I wonder if he's a friend of Hardwick's. Yeah, it seems like they're working together. Yeah, uh, he really doesn't have much on his uh, resume, to be completely honest with you. Seems like he kind of fell off after about 2003, four. Uh, he's He directed very little like else in the industry, like one episode of Cow and Chicken, one episode of The Oblongs, a couple episodes of Early Family Guy. Found something else to do, it looks like. Hopefully. I have a brain for him. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah, so that's the... Uh, you can definitely tell that this episode's written by Johnny Hardwick. Yeah, there's a few good Dale lines. And in like it. episodes in the past, we've said there's not been a lot of Dale, not a lot of the guys. He definitely brings him in full Oh, force. yeah, and Bill is just a whipping boy in this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is... Uh... <clears throat> so the director intro for this one is like... A few shots of paintball looks like bundle up paper thrown across the screen. Okay. And like with a couple quotes just sort of fading in and out of the background from Bill and Boomhauer and the boys. Um, and then we hear the shots come at the screen and in red it says the the man who shot Kane Skredeberg. Yep. And then Hank's face comes up. Um, and I guess I can take this opportunity to discuss the name of the episode. It sure. is The Man Who Shot Kane Skredeberg. It is a play on a film from 1962 starring John Wayne, James Stewart, and Lee Marvin. They love pulling from that group of movies. Right? Yeah. So the movie's called The Man Who Shot Liberty Valance. And that director's intro slide is extremely similar to the writing for the man who shot Liberty Valance and the effects on the color of Hank's face. Yeah. He's made to look like the, the painting on the front of from John Wayne. He may, he's made to look like oh. John Wayne does on the front of that uh, poster for that movie. That's really cool. Has anybody seen that movie? No, no, no. It was directed by John Ford. Like one of the greatest American film directors of the sixties. He did lots of John Wayne movies. The Searchers is his best. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's told through a flashback of a of a, at a funeral where the the men stood up to a big outlaw in their town in their old western town years ago. But anyway, Liberty Valance, whatever. It's a movie where John Wayne is being fucking John Wayne, but it's John Ford. <clears throat> so that's where the title comes from. <laughs> So that's the man who shot Liberty Valance. Does Nathan maybe want to tell us about the man who shot Kane Skredeberg? Yes. So the synopsis is, annoyed by a neighborhood band, the boys take it upon themselves to teach some punks a lesson. <laughs> a little. And before we get into this week's cold open, I think, as tradition dictates, we need to continue with Little Pond's Ponders. 
All right, thanks for having me back in the clubhouse. And here is my quiz. I got two questions each, and one of them is really easy. So I'm just gonna uh, make you guys guess the number between one and twenty to see who goes first. I have a number written down in my notebook. Eighteen. Uh, nine. Nineteen. <laughs> All right, Denim wins. The number was six. <laughs> he always picks six, except when he picks four. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I'll start with Denim. Okay, so in the cold open, what does Pops call Boomhauer? Oh, that is not that. Uh, this I thought you said this, this the isn't the one. easy one. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Um, fuck. A ragamuffin. No. Let's move on. Um, okay, Dustin. Ready. What game is Peggy and Luann playing at the Fun Center together? Oh. Chuck Norris head kick, <laughs> ultimate head kick. Yes, yes. That's, that's right. All right, Miles, you get the easy one. <laughs> what is, what is what the? <laughs> no, that was just to determine the order. <laughs> so I won nothing. You got no. to go first. All right. <laughs> I also forgot to mention I went to the local fun center last night and I, I got myself a nice little toy dolphin and the winner of the quiz is gonna get it. <laughs> that is that is a joke. All right, Miles, you got the easy one. What is the name of the beer they're drinking in the alley when they're fighting <laughs> the day after the paintball match? Guatemala? <laughs> <laughs> yes, correct. Oh, Denim, right. I think you got the short end of the stick here. <laughs> Fucking, what did I win? Yeah. <laughs> what did I even guess the number for? Okay, in bed when Peggy asks Hank to tell the band to keep it down... What is Hank's excuse not to go? He has socks off? <sighs> so it? close. Is <laughs> his shoes off? <laughs> Even what do old men wear? Slippers. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Oh, man. I won't take it. All right. So, Dustin. Ready. What is the name of the insurance company Bill oh. is talking about during the first paintball match? And later oh. in the alley with the with the fellas and pops. Something about military and old people, isn't it? Mm. The name I, of the company. Or the, <sighs> is it Liberty? I don't know. Okay. Should, should we keep it, Miles? Yeah, hold on to it. Let's hold on to it. Okay. So, Miles, what does Kane have on his earring? Uh, it's a little dangly skull, I think. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so... I actually have a. Easy ones. I actually have another one, but it's. I think it's too hard. Do you want me to ask? Yeah, ask me. Okay. I got like negative. I think something. this one should be like. Uh, if you have it, just say it first. Like anyone can answer this one. Oh, okay. 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 What is it? Okay. When Luann is giving um, Bobby that little like rat tail thing, what is the song playing in the background? I didn't notice the song. Okay. Do you know it? Neither did I. <laughs> I know the exact song you're talking about, and I... No! Yeah, if you can, like, hum the tune, I'll give it to you. It's in the background. I couldn't get the full thing. All right. I was going to rely on you guys to find the answer for me. It's Prosthetic Head by Green Day. It's, like, the last song on that album, Nimrod. Ah, what are you doing? Yeah, I thought maybe it was a bit too hard, so I kind of left it out the, uh... And if you're not, like, a fan of, like, 
or don't know that album well. It's not one of the the hits for sure. <laughs> That's funny. I was that because there was things I looked in the episode and I was like, oh, I bet you Pond's gonna bring that up as a, as a ponder. So like I could tell you the posters on the wall in their room. And I got shit. the same like, fucking thing. Death vacation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So, do you want me to ask those two questions? That, yeah. Or sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, we um, need to know. What? Oh. Hang on. Oh, yeah. In the cold open, what does Pops call Boomhauer? Dustin. Don't cuss at me, James Dean. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy, 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 Jimmy Dean. Jimmy Dean. Jimmy Dean. Fuck, you're right. <laughs> Damn it. What was the other one that wasn't answered? Oh, the insurance company? Yeah. Okay, so what is the name of the insurance company? Bill is talking about during the first paintball match and later in the alley with the boys and pops. I want to say Liberty Mutual. I mean, it's like similar. It's Colonial Valley. Oh. oh. No, not even close. It's close. I don't. I don't know actually who won. You're already getting the dolphin. We can share. It. Is this dolphin safe? <laughs> Thank you for that little pond And that brings us to This episode's cold open Okay so this episode is We're lucky enough to feature a cold open Now I don't know about you guys but I love the cold opens Now this is only the This is the first one we've seen in season 2 Since Texas City Twister So there's been a bit of gap um, This one is hilarious It's the guys all standing around Bill's new imported Japanese leaf blower That he bought That is just like probably it looks like weaker than a hairdryer. Like it's n- <laughs> it's not blowing anything around. And um, I think what does Hank say? He says it's it's meant for those little bonsai bushes. Wait a minute. There, one of the leaves just moved. You're shoving it with the nozzle, Bill. <laughs> it's made for uh, bonsai bushes and cherry blossoms. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And um, the neighbor walks by. Uh, pops. And he uh, he actually starts getting into it. He tells all those young punks uh, to keep the racket down. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's the middle of the day, and they're leaf blowing. Yeah, it's five thirty. Yeah, it's five thirty. Evening. <laughs> but I like this. Yeah, because they they go on to say like that. Oh, they've never seen a rake. And boom, our mumble stumble the Smithsonian. Yeah, man. I tell you what, man. I seen a dang old rake over there down Smithsonian, man. Right next to Lincoln's had them arch chair, man. The dang old caveman section. Don't you cuss at me, Jimmy Dean. I'll sick my dog on you. I just want to mention that I used to uh, do like landscaping, like properties, and um, we used leaf blowers. And I've definitely had an old lady yell at me because it's, <laughs> it's too loud. And she was like, what's wrong with a rake? <laughs> it's funny you bring that up. Pops brought that up, too. Made me wonder, well, what the fuck? Why didn't Pops ever use a leaf blower? I mean, the obvious, they save time over raking. I know, and it's not like they're like a fucking like cutting edge ninety six. No, they like were you. actually, I, I looked it up. They were made, they were invented sometime in the 1950s. Obviously, didn't catch on right away. Um, but by 1990, they were selling at 800,000 units a year in the United States alone. So, So, I mean, it had become a a common way of 
moving your leaves around your yard. <laughs> um, I love his hollow thread too. He's gonna stick his dog on him. It's like this tubby little dashing that's like yeah. walking so I, slow. I do like this cold open because it does. It, it it seems like it's for the longest time. I thought this was so aside from the episode, but like no, this is totally the theme of the episode being presented. That yeah. Hank is even though they're all ribbing on Bill's Japanese leaf blower, and then and then when the guy comes by and says get a rake, they're like fuck that. Like, they're against it. So. I think it's interesting that they just, they know this thing doesn't even work. And they're still going to laugh at this old dude who suggests a tried and true method of raking. And it totally just lays out the theme for the episode yeah. where Hank's fighting his youth, for his youth. Because, I mean, I fucking have like seven rakes, but I, I didn't even touch a leaf blower. <laughs> I just wanted to mention one thing I thought was odd about it is that like the whole time Boomhauer is not wearing a shirt. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. Just hanging out without a shirt on. He's just shirtless. Yeah, Bill's blowing it off. Leaf blower. Yeah. (laughs) So has anybody seen Touched by an Angel? No. No. Yeah, me either. No. After the intro, we get to see Hank and the boys back in the driveway and. Bobby comes limping out of the kitchen, and it seems like he's just recovered after a week of doing nothing because he had the chicken pox. He had a vitamin D deficiency. What I don't understand is why is that different from any other week? (laughs) Well, this one he didn't get all the he didn't get all the exercise from walking to the car to go to school. Oh, yeah. He had to watch from class to class at school. I forgot. I mean, you put throw a step counter on you, and you're easy to get 400 steps a day. Like, easy. And he's got no son either. And I guess Joseph is just as tired because he comes and sits outside with him by the soccer ball. Yeah, it made me think about, like, all the kids that my mom made me go and hang out with when they were sick with chicken pox. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's like... (laughs) You actually had to do that? Yeah. Do you play Ookie Mouth? What's Ookie Mouth? Never mind. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, Hank describes the dangers of what can happen to you when you're 12 with the chicken pox, and Dale doesn't want the same fate for Joseph because he has... My Joseph better not be sterile. I need my seed to live on. Certain plans of mine require additional gribbles. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that line is, like, delivered when it says written by Johnny Hardwick on the screen. Oh, really? Something like that. Because I remember thinking, like, oh, yeah, we're going to get lots of Dale lines, like, around around the beginning, you know? I... Uh, we're going to get a lot of Gribble lines, but I don't think that Gribble's going to get any children out of Joseph. No. <laughs> no offspring on the Gribble side. Yeah, definitely not, especially with that loud rock music playing from down the street. And Nancy keeps breaking out in scratch marks. <laughs> but yeah, the loud music certainly is, is, is ruining the mood around the neighborhood. Hank is appalled by this of these three chords played out of order. And, uh... So him and Bobby, they take a hike on down to go and confront the garage band. Huh. Yuck. I wonder if that music is what killed this grass. <laughs> That is such a dad joke. (laughs) 
So, uh, yeah, so Hank goes over to the garage where um, Kane Skredeberg and the Stubborn Stains are rehearsing with the door open. (laughs) (laughs) And um, he goes to tell them off, and they're not having any of it, and they kind of make fun of him, and uh, it doesn't go well. But I just wanted to talk about Kane Skredeberg. Kane Skredeberg is played by Trey Cool. Um, who's famously the drummer of Green Day. Uh, Trey Cool was born Frank Edwin White III. <laughs> I was going to say, I don't think he came out of the womb as Trey <laughs> yeah. Cool. <laughs> so I have, I actually have two questions. First of all, um, is there, so you said his name is Frank Edward Wright III? Uh, Edwin, Frank Edwin White, W-R-I-G. H.T., the third. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Yeah. Um, Just because when I looked up the lyrics for this song earlier this week, it said, um, written by, like, Billy Joe Armstrong, and then it said, uh, three right, um, and Edwin right, and Frank right, I think. Like, it had, I'll I'll show it to you. It It had, like, multiple names for him is there other people named that that he like writes with or something no i don't think so i think it's just because i saw that too and i think it's just because like google just like takes information from everywhere on the internet so it's credited with different names sometimes it's credited as trey cool sometimes it's credited as frank wright sometimes it's credit is so they just add it all together that makes a lot of sense because when i did actually look into it the record itself says all lyrics by billy joe and all music by green day just it doesn't specify individually it just says lyrics billy joe music green day yeah so i think that's why it has like because i noticed that too but um okay i'm glad you cleared that up for me also what the fuck does trey cool mean well as a frenchman i can tell (laughs) actually Trey means very and cool means cool, so Trey, very cool. It's a pretty lame name. I mean, I think it's exactly the opposite. Very cool. But anyway, back to uh, Trey Cool. He was born. Okay. What? (laughs) Say that? Oh, no, but back. (laughs) Sorry, back to my little bio. Um, He was born in 1972 in Frankfurt, Germany, to American parents his father was a helicopter pilot in vietnam so that's kind of probably why i think he was born in germany his father's probably in the army or something and his dad is actually seems like a cool guy um he was very supportive of his son's music career and actually drove the uh tour bus van for a couple tours during uh early green day that's pretty awesome. I bet he was also a really good tool for getting promoters to pay the band at the end of the show. Yeah, and, and it's funny, too, actually, because there's, like, a video on YouTube of, like, them interviewing Green Day in, like, the 95 or something. And um, uh, they're interviewing Billy Joe, and they're in their little tour bus van. And it's, like, it's like a bookmobile, like a mobile library. His dad converted into, like, a kind of tour bus. And... Um, like Billy Joe describes his dad as being involved in the underground trucker scene, <laughs> and that's how he got a hold of it. And then anyway, he converted it into the little tour bus, and I guess they went on a couple tours in it. Like I think the video I saw is like '95 or something. 
their first record was 1990, but they were going a little bit before that, and they didn't really pick up speed until like 94, right? Yeah, I think Dookie came out in um, 94, and that was like their big, big album. And like he uh, drove the bus like after Dookie because they were talking about like going. Well, like, yeah, but not every tour, just like every now and again, because they were talking about like uh, they took it to like Lollapalooza or something. And um, so, yeah, that's pretty much all I have on that. And uh, at the age of 12, or I guess like sometime as a child, they moved to uh, Northern California. And at the age of 12, he was recruited by next door neighbor Larry Livermore, (laughs) (laughs) probably also not his real name, (laughs) to play in his band, The Lookouts. And this Larry guy, he was quite a bit older. I think he was in his 30s or 40s. And they were next door neighbors. And Larry was the, uh, he founded Lookout Records, which um, they're like a big record uh, company for that kind of music, that kind of like Northern California, like 90s punk. They've released like some Green Day, Operation Ivy, uh, Rancid, The Donnas, Screeching Weasel, and my favorite one. Screeching (laughs) Weasel? What about the Screaming Banshees? (laughs) But wait, my favorite, (laughs) (laughs) my favorite one. Which I don't know them, but the skin flutes. <laughs> and I, I looked them up, but I wasn't sure if it was the actual actual one or not. Sorry. Um, and he was also in a band called Cunts prior to Green Day. <laughs> and uh, I, I looked for them. I couldn't find them, but I'd you like... You couldn't find the Cunts. No. Just a quick Google search didn't pick up any cunts? Well, I looked for... Uh, <laughs> too busy searching up the skin flutes. <laughs> I looked for him, but uh, I like to think like that band probably sounds like Cage Scredivery and the Stubborn Stains, like what, what they were actually like, but I don't actually know that. Anyhow, he joined Green Day in 1990, and they were obviously like very successful, so uh, by the time this episode came out in November 1997, I think, Denim mentioned it earlier, um, it was just a month after they released their album Nimrod, and they had like huge mainstream success because of uh, Good Riddance's Time of Your Life on it. And uh, yeah, anything. <laughs> well, I was just going to say, because like, you, were, you were just listing the bands that Trey Cool had been in. And in this particular episode, he plays Kane Scredeberg, who is the lead singer of the Stubborn Stains. Was Trey Cool ever known to be a lead singer in another band? Yes, that's a good question. He was lead guitar, or guitar and lead singer in the Cunts. <laughs> oh, okay. So that's why you think that they sounded probably like Kane. Yeah, I probably should have mentioned that. But yeah, it would. I would really love it if there was anybody who knew if possibly that song was inspired by or yeah. like like i wonder like that would be a good opportunity for like the band to be like oh i wrote this shitty old song when i was 14 like let's play it when we're trying to play a kids band in a game in a show so hank and uh bobby go over to uh, the garage to uh try to reason with uh the band and I love the Kane's house too. It's like the perfect punk rock house. There's like a bench press in the front yard. There's like a broken down motorcycle. This greasy old yeah. muscle car with flames and up what, the side. What of it. does his mom think of that? <laughs> <laughs> his mom's in jail. I don't know. Like Kane seems like he's like 25, but apparently he's like 17 in grade 12. <laughs> does your mother know you're doing this? 
My mom's in prison for killing my dad. <laughs> okay, I get it. You're joking. Well, I've got a sense of humor. I laugh at Tony Danza. Of course, if you aren't joking, I feel bad and I apologize. <laughs> I laugh at Tony Danza. Tony Danza's from Taxi. Uh, you might remember him with Andy Kaufman, Danny DeVito, and Christopher Lloyd. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> the other guy anyway great great show from back in the 70s um and i don't know he was in a bunch of stuff but most notably he did make his appearance in an episode of king of the hill in 2000 um no it was a peggy episode i can't remember what season whatever it is, but yeah um I, like he's an interesting dude. He was on, like he was just like a famous guy in the seventies, I guess. Like Taxi, and he was also a professional boxer. Oh no! Um, a little bit before his, I think he may have been boxing long before he was acting, because he started. His last boxing match, I believe, was like seventy nine, and his first was professional. His first was in seventy six. He actually had a, a impressive record of nine and three. With all except one wins and losses of his fights ending in a knockout, um, he was so out of his three losses, one he was it was by points he lost, and in seven of his nine wins, they were knockouts in the first round. Wow! So he was no slouch. Do you do you know what weight class he was in? I don't. Not I don't. Um, plus, I don't know. Isn't there like? Fucking a hundred more weight classes nowadays than back then. Sure. I mean, yeah. I feel like there was probably two in like 1976. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea, but I'm not much of a boxing fan, but I like to bet on it. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's Tony Danza. Um, more recently, he released a cookbook with his son in 2008 called Don't Fill Up on the Antipasto. <laughs> Tony Danza's father and son cookbook. I love it. I love it. You I love, love antipasto. Antipasto. That's so good. I got a big jar in the fridge. If you guys want some Triscuits, we can have some of the break. Yeah, I'm down for that. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> All right, that's it. I'm going to count to three. One, two, three. I'm not horsing around here. Lucky for you, I don't have time for this right now. Come on, Bobby. Let's go to the fun center. To be totally honest, like this whole show, like when I think of King of the Hill, I just want to sing Fun Center. Like when I was in, when we were in high school, we sang Fun Center all the time. Like Fun Center was like, Fun Center is a part of my life. It's, it's in my blood. <laughs> Yeah, and those fucking bureaucrats closed down our fun center and opened up a gymnasium. I know. They were all like, oh, kids use drugs there. Like, come on. I went to the fun center to apply for a job one time with another friend of ours, and then we played at the fun center for like six hours afterwards, and they didn't call us back. Yeah. They don't want, the, they don't want to hire the patrons. Yeah, exactly. The fun center was where the bikers hung out and sold drugs, for sure, 100%. That's what happened there. So, of course, that's where Bobby and Joseph wanted to go after they got better. So, we see the family at the fun center. Luann and Peggy are playing what we recognize as... Chuck Norris' ultimate head kick, and they're really getting into it. And I believe uh, 
our historian Denim mentioned in an early episode that there was a deleted scene. I can't remember which one from, but Bobby asks. It was Texas City Twister. Texas yes. City Twister, right? He Bobby asked Luann if that is a game that he could buy her for his Game Boy. Yeah. That's neat. I like that they keep tying these things in. It's... I know, and that one wasn't even... So, I mean, like, I bet you they kind of thought that that would be a funny name for a game, and they probably just had that sitting on the board, and were like, we're going to use this sometime. And I guess this was, like, prior to, like, all those, like, Chuck Norris jokes that have plagued, like... No, this was, like, totally when Chuck Norris was really an action star. Yeah, yeah. before he was just, like, the butt of every stupid joke exactly. on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Those, yeah, Chuck Norris jokes were, like, some of the original memes, I think. Like, yeah, I remember those were. on... in We were probably in grade nine. And, like, they were, like, storming the internet. Oh, and yeah. it was like, why are you sending me a picture with a bunch of words on it? <laughs> like, buddy, it's called a meme. And I was like, uh, meme <laughs> Buddy, I ain't in school right now. I ain't reading shit. <laughs> no, the irony is I only remember reading those in math class. <laughs> Still don't know math. So Bobby and Joseph come flying up to Hank, and they want to play a new game. Dustin, what is it at the fun center they want to do? They want to play paintball. Let's see. They give you kids guns and let you shoot at each other? Yeah, okay. So paintball. There's, I used to play it. There's basically two kinds of paintball, speedball and woodball. So I guess what uh, Hank is letting Bobby go play with Joseph is woodball. Speedball is what you see. I thought it was paint. It's paint for both, but there are different styles of paintball. Speedball is where you see those big blow-up structures where you can hide behind and dive and run, and it's in an arena. That's kind of where the more professional paintballing goes. Is that what our friend uh, like that's what our friend in. plays. Yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. So that's speedball. Woodball is the more tactical uh, game based, where it's like capture the flag, you know, team deathmatch stuff like that. I remember, like when I got into paintball, you know, you go to your local pawn shop, you buy a paintball gun, you get your CO two filled up. <laughs> I think it's only Nanaimo that's like <laughs> all the paintball shops are also pawn shops. <laughs> yeah. I don't think that's a common thing. I don't, I know. don't know, but everywhere in this town, the, the only place you can get paintball shit is at the pawn shop. Yeah, and like every pawn shop is just borderline paintball shop yeah <laughs> so you go get it all filled up you, so you go down and meet some buddies at the local ferry go to a, a nearby island and go in the woods and play paintball and this was like my first introduction to it and i remember going into this forest in the middle of nowhere at the end of a back road and like trudging through the bushes and then all of a sudden there was like this big like canopy tent and then it, i walked into it and there was like this big dude in all camo with the sleeves cut off and just like who's the new guy and it's just like what am i in a game of call of duty right now just, like what is just this? guys playing war yeah it literally it felt like a boot camp and it was actually the funnest time ever we played like six or seven rounds and just captured the flag and it was so much fun Paintball is the best. I love playing paintball. I used to play it a lot because a friend of ours uh, was very involved in the paintball community. So every year for his birthday party, that's what we did. And the first year I played, I remember it very, very vividly because we were playing, we were playing woodball, which is like the preferred. I think it's yeah. a, it is a lot more. It is a lot more fun. So woodball is like the casual, yeah. and speedball is like the I've all I've mastered woodball. Yeah, and like speedball. Why do they call it woodball? Because you're just running through the forest. There's like tree forts and like you know like barricades uh. made out of wood and stuff like it's just traditionally in a forest but I was playing it the first time and I remember it was really cold out and I was running a lot so I was sweating and my mask fogged up and I remember like trying to adjust it I couldn't see shit and I just got destroyed I got, <laughs> I got shot like five times right in the mouth and like the mask on those things there's like the slit so you could breathe through but like you can feel like the 
particles of paintball, like just shooting into your mouth. I remember like flying off of the course, and this woman was like, "Have you been eating paintball, son?" And I was like, "Fuck you!" You probably stumbled out like Bobby did after the chicken pox. This is like red paint on your mouth. Yeah, it's like you're just running along, like do do do. Oh, this is so much fun. Me and my friends are like, pop, pop, pop. <laughs> you're just like and that right there is paintball. <laughs> So Hank lets the boys go play paintball, and he goes with the guys to drive at the driving range. Yeah, so uh, Hank was hoping to uh, get a little peace and quiet. <laughs> and uh, they do for a bit, because they get a chance to uh, try to hit the ball collector with the, uh, with the balls. <laughs> but, and then Bobby and, Bobby and Joseph run over, like, all upset and, um, from playing paintball, and they say some older kids came over... And just kind of cornered them, shot them up a bunch of times. They made us eat leaves. <laughs> what? Who did this to you? Kane Scrattenberg. <laughs> I love that he's not even mad. He's just like he's, he's excited. excited. Yeah. I like how how cool Bobby thinks he is, Kane is throughout the whole episode. And uh, yeah, so um, Hank's obviously upset, but I actually feel like he's like underreacting, like. They cornered his son and shot him up and then made him eat leaves. Like, that's, that's pretty cruel. I, I don't think that Hank is necessarily underreacting. I think Hank is mentally prepared for this. Like, <laughs> he knows. Every time he leaves the house, there's yeah. a potential that Bobby is going to get pushed into the dirt and yeah. forced and to I eat mean, it's vegetation. Not like, and it also, also, the excitement in Bobby's telling of the story i think it would be a little bit different reaction if hank, if bobby was like in tears and hank was like that's true old man that's true yeah it's, it's just that like kane isn't another kid from school he's like he's like a lot older and should know better yeah he's the guy who put don't on all the stop signs peace <laughs> so hank goes to confront him and where is he but hanging out with luann at the food court Showing off his new Xerox. Yeah, I'm a singer. Got my own band. Playing next week at the parking ride. Wow, this is a really good Xerox of you. <laughs> now, like, the local parking ride all week. It doesn't have a time of day. Do you think he's just playing? I, what I think is happening is I, I think he's just playing in the fucking parking lot <laughs> in the middle of the highway. Yeah. Like, a parking ride is out of the way on purpose. Yeah, it's a carpool. And they're just a fucking slab of concrete. As far as I remember parking rides, they're nothing. Like, you, why would you go there for a show? Yeah, that's funny. I didn't even make that connection. It's just like, oh, this is, like, some really useless space. We'll pave it. People can, like, carpool here. <laughs> yeah. 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 Like, and, out of the way on purpose. And on the poster, it says they're playing there all next week. Yeah. Like, Every day. They bought a week parking pass. The van is there. They're on the roof. <laughs> That's so punk rock. So Hank interrupts this, and he's upset that Bobby's been forced to eat leaves by these, this boy. And, uh, and he... I think this is when he threatens him and says, how would you like it if somebody bigger than you came and shot you? Kane Skredeberg has never been shot. Yeah, yeah damn right. Kane. Yeah. And the first guy to do it's not going to be some fat old desk jockey. Desk jockey? Hey, I am a finely tuned ex-high school athlete. And this is where we hear the other members of Green Day talk. Um, 
Billy Joe Armstrong plays the one of the band members called Face, and Mike Dern, the the bass player of Green Day, plays another band member called Zeus. Those are pretty rock and roll names, if you ask me. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that they came to King of the Hill for to say like one word each, pretty much. I mean, it seems odd considering like what like they did that. Yeah, I thought that too. I thought they would definitely have like more of a presence. Like obviously Trey Cool does, but I kind of expected the rest of the band to have like more to say, but mm-hmm. I like it that way though. Yeah, I mean, as we did here in uh, Deleted Scenes, there is an extended version where the, I mean, at least it sounds like uh, one of the characters had some more lines that were funny. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I wonder if Trey Cool just like I wonder if they all went through some kind of uh, uh, audition process, you know, where they act where like they were like, well, we want Green Day. Um, I'd also be curious to know if they did any of the music. Uh, like, I wonder how much of this was just like publicity for their new album. I mean, they very likely could have just been in the studio for that week recording for like other uh, talk shows or because like you said this was a month after Nimrod yeah a month or two and this was when they were picking up the most steam with uh, that time your life song so I mean yeah I could see them just being in there doing any number of things already and just saying like hey we're also in King of the Hill yeah I also find it interesting like why why they picked Trey Cool as like the front man? Like well, I'm not sure. Maybe he was a better actor. But like, yeah, like on paper it seems weird. Like yeah, not so. having Billy Joe being the lead of the stubborn stains. But at the same time, like just listening yeah. to it, like Trey Cool is Kane Scarper. Yeah, like, he's, he's great. The, that nasally and, like, voice I almost and like, think, like attitude. Yeah, Billy Joe him. would almost been too good of a singer. Yeah. to be convincing and. Exactly. It would have been so easy for them, though, to, like, advertise it. It was old Billy Joe from Green Day. Yeah, it's, 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 like, it's it way cooler. It would have been so much cooler. easier, but I I prefer it this way, totally. In the credits, they do say Green Day, and then they list the three of them, like, on the on the credits on the actual episode. Yeah. So I can only imagine that they advertised it as Green Day also, and not... Because it's not entirely obvious that it's Trey Cool as Kane Scredeberg unless you know that. Yeah, well, I was a pretty big fan of Green Day, like, still, but, like, definitely when I was younger. And I remember, like, seeing that on the credits, being like, that doesn't sound like Green Day. But, like, <laughs> yeah. And then later on, I realized it was the drummer. When they do sing, uh, Thou Shalt Not Do This, and, like, I told my girlfriend that, that, was, that this was, like, the episode with Green Day, and Green Day plays the band. She's just like, she's like, that sounds nothing like Green Day. And I was like, well, it's... They're they're playing different roles yeah. in the band, but it sounds like they went to band practice and everybody's like, okay, now move one instrument over. Exactly. Yeah. It's, <laughs> and, like, it's uh, like a Weezer concert. <laughs> Did you guys like find out? I don't know, but like if uh, Green Day plays the music, do you know that? It said I do not know that. At the very end, it said music originally based by Green Day, and then afterward, it had somebody called an underscore, and I was gonna look up what it meant, but I didn't have time. I mean, an underscore. That's interesting. I wonder if that has anything to do with a score. Yeah, that's what I thought it was. Um, but I just didn't have time to look it up. But yeah, no, that, that is interesting. Uh, there's a few, like, numbers in this that I would imagine are probably, like, just, like, little clips of song. I think that they probably do have something, especially because I imagine they played the Thou Shalt Not Do This and the Fun Center. Like, those are... That's clearly... 
him singing, I would imagine that they probably it's probably easiest for them all to have recorded it as their own um, band. Yeah, give me the tall one. <laughs> so Hank rallies the guys, and they agree to teach some punks a lesson. So they agree to play paintball against Kane Scredderberg and the Stubborn Stains. Now, of course, they're doing like what you shouldn't do when you're playing paintball. They're talking very loudly. Bill's mumbling on about <laughs> life insurance and whatnot. And they're also walking like you know, like head to ass, like right in a row. It's just like, you're all going to get shot. <laughs> and of course, on cue, Bill um, goes to hunker down and he rips his pants right open. Yeah, it's pretty great. This is, I love this, like you were saying, they're all on the line. So that actually reminds me of um, the commentary for this episode. I'll bring it up right now and probably mm -hmm. not again. This is another one of the character commentaries that they do. Not incredibly informative, but... This one was actually quite entertaining because of the people. It was it was Stephen Root, uh, Johnny Hardwick, and Toby Huss. Nice. But they were all in character as Cotton Hill, uh, Dale Gribble, and Ooh, Bill. We got a taste of cotton. Oh my god! So like, yeah, just like watching the commentary for this. When I put it on, I was like, Toby Huss, like. What's he doing? I was here? like, he wasn't really in this episode, yeah. and he's not. But uh, like, I love that they just got Cotton in. But it's great because, especially in this scene, I mean, the entire time he's being kind of like uh, Cotton. Yeah. And then this one, especially, is just ragging on their military style. <laughs> and like, he's like, you're all on a gun, you're all alive, you're gonna get shot. Like, he's it's <laughs> like, and yeah, he's going off about how like, yeah, you just just stop talking, Bill. Like, yeah. And Bill's like sitting right beside him, right? So it's exactly. it's pretty good. Like they're all, yeah, they're they're going off about that. But eventually, as Cotton describes it, they all get surrounded because I believe Kane says that the big guy split his pants. <laughs> yeah, just before that, there's this line that Hank delivers uh, that makes Bill split his pants, and it honestly it sounds just like. Butthead from Beavis and Butthead. I want to. I want you to take a close listen. This is it, guys. Everybody hunker down. Mm. It does. It yeah, does, it that's does. fucking Butthead, and that's it's, right there. It's funny because, like, I mean, besides the fact that yeah, Green Day's here to promote a new record that just came out. Yeah. I wonder if maybe it was it was a Beavis and Butthead kind of thing that like interested them to begin with. That makes sense. And That's like, something they'd be into, right? And maybe just because this is more of like a punk rock episode, maybe Mike Judge wanted to throw a little flavor of Beavis and Butthead in. Maybe. I don't know. I want to get that oh one more time. <laughs> this is it, guys. Everybody hunker down. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Other thing too, when they when they all hunker down, mm -hmm. like they all kind of like groan just to like reiterate yeah. the fact that they're they're old. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what they're just trying to fight against in this whole episode. Yeah. But I guess, like you said before, they get surrounded. Yeah. So yeah, they they all get surrounded and um, they all drop their weapons <laughs> and they get marched to the driving range where all like um, all the other middle aged men, like their peers, are. Um, driving the balls and they all get shot execution style <laughs> in front of all their all their peers and yeah it's super embarrassing i mean the smart thing to do 
would have been just had a shootout as soon as they got surrounded. And they probably still would have lost the match, but they, they wouldn't have been humiliated like they did. Yeah, it's funny, too, because like obviously that's not how paintball goes. You don't drop your weapons no. and get marched by their team. You get shot and you're out. But Kane Scudderberry asked Hank, he goes, well, those are the rules. You're not a rule breaker, are you? And Hank and the guys were like, well, no, fuck no, we're not. Like, and I mean, obviously not. Yeah, it's like, we'll get executed by these fucking yeah. punk kids. And we see them, they come back to Hank's driveway and they all hop out and they're just like, covered in welts and paint and Boomhauer takes all of his pants off and he's just in his like leopard print man thong and they just like don't say a word and all just kind of strut off into their own directions and later that night Hank is rolling around in bed he can't sleep he's probably never been humiliated like this in a sport before in his life and he is plagued by some flashbacks and yeah he has some pretty traumatic flashbacks to his execution in front of his kind (laughs) his comrades wait a minute you can't just execute my man later pops pops (laughs) and it's this pops line that really upsets hank he can't handle being that old guy on the block. Because, yeah, just the other day he was berating Pop about yeah. him being old. And this this is, yeah, this is the, yeah, we're going to get the first act. So it goes into the next day where I believe, so now this is a deleted scene. It must come in around sometime this, yeah, around it, now. It's in the afternoon, right? It, I mean, who knows? He could be so distraught that he's cooking a burger in the morning. Yeah, but where is he doing I mean, <laughs> you know what? The other day, Thursday, I had a burger for breakfast. And I'm not, I am kind of proud to admit it. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, no, he, so he's in the deleted scene. He's frying a burger on, on a frying pan in his kitchen. What, what, what? And, and, and in the background of the, dele- of the scene, you can hear, the Kane Scredoberg's band playing in the background and they're um and Peggy's like saying like oh it's horrible we can't live with this and Hank is obviously not going outside because they're polluting the air yeah so and Peg and Peggy's really concerned that she notices that he's cooking a burger on on the frying pan and neither of them can determine what do you think it's done whether it's done or not because it looks so different that's exactly right. It's pretty great. But, yeah, I think this must come right now because in the episode, the next scene here is when he goes out to the out to the alley and he sees the guys for their beers and um, things are just a little off. It's funny that I've noticed in the, in the first seasons that there's like a less time spent in the actual alley themselves where they more just kind of congregate in Hank's driveway, like whether he's there or not. He just always kind of seems to walk out the door and they're like just kind of lingering i i would say yeah in season two especially i've noticed that there's been a few alley hangouts just in the driveway yeah but it's not that traditional like just scene of the four of them standing against the the fence it's which is interesting because that was a image clearly used to market the show and like clearly like in the theme song of the show so it's not like they evolved into it i think they might they're probably just trying to switch it up just not have every single shot of the show be the guys against the alley. Well, I think they're all out of sorts anyways because they're not really themselves. Uh, who wants cold one? You want cold one? Got some 
cold one, sailor. Cold. That sure is cold, all right. <laughs> Maybe I should have brought mittens. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know what? You might be right. They're probably just hanging on the inside of the fence for safety. Kind of scared. <laughs> because, I mean, well, we see what happens later. But anyway, <laughs> um, the bullies, man. There's bullies everywhere. <laughs> but, uh, Nathan, what's that beer that they're drinking? So, yeah, they're all uh, passing out cold ones, and um, they're... <clears throat> I hope you're all happy. There's no cold ones left for me. <laughs> Open up your eyes, man. You're holding a beer. Oh, you call this beer? Guatemala? Who bought this stuff? Not me. Of course not. Bill buy beer? No need to do that when you got friends to mooch off of. Bill can't even afford more shirts. He's still wearing the one covered paint from the night before. Hank really makes uh, Bill sound like the tip of the spear in this moment. <laughs> I don't want to say that. So, uh, yeah, they're all kind of like, they all start fighting immediately and they all break down. And um, But I, I do have a question for you guys because um, Bill's like, no, I didn't buy the beer. Um, who do you think bought the beer? I think it's Boomhauer because um, he seems like the most worldly. And when uh, Dale and Bill run off crying... Um, Boomhauer is just, just like, dang, I'll bully, man. And it just seems like um, Boomhauer was offended because he was like, who bought this beer? And it was, I, I like to think it was Boomhauer that bought the beer. Yeah, that makes sense. He was probably trying to wheel some, you know, South American woman or something <laughs> or he had her over the night before. Yeah, that, that is an interesting question. Who would have? Because, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I always thought it was like the obvious Bill that did it because he right away said, no, I don't know who did it. And it makes sense. I mean, in my mind, I always feel like uh, whenever it's Dale's turn, uh, Nancy still does all the shopping. Oh, and so was I was thinking maybe Nancy uh, messed up and just got the cheap one on sale or something. I don't know. It makes sense. But I also the reason I think it's Bill, too, is because he got defensive as well when Hank started insulting him. When my wife left me because I was lazy and dependent, did even one of you find me a new one? No. <laughs> I don't know if you guys caught that one, but I loved that. <laughs> yeah, so of course the guys go storming off, and we're left with Boomhauer's uh, insult towards Hank. I'm a bully, man, yo. <laughs> Back inside the Hill residence, Luann is finally putting some of that beauty school. Uh, knowledge to use where she is helping Bobby be more like Kane where she's fastening an elastic band to the back of his head in a, a poor attempt at a ponytail. <laughs> oh! Yeah, I love that scream that Hank walks in on. It's so funny the parody between Hank like like almost potentially finally meeting his match. He's not like the king of the neighborhood anymore and Bobby's just infatuated with how cool he is. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. He's so cool. He said I could be the stubborn stains' groupie. The word is roadie, Bobby. <laughs> he meant roadie. At least a hope to God. <laughs> Do you think Bobby heard that wrong? Or do you think Kane was fucking with him? <laughs> no, I think he said groovy. I think he said groovy. <laughs> oh, it's, it's that. I love that line so much, though. <laughs> like, I don't know how many times I've 
kind of heard that similar joke. <laughs> Just people saying like, oh, like a, like a regular groupie. It's like, I mean, roadie. <laughs> you mean you want to be a roadie. <laughs> and it's so funny that like Hank kind of almost in, like insinuates that he's okay with like Bobby lugging around amps for these punks across the street. Like anything's better than the potential groupie. I mean... I don't. He doesn't want Bobby to become a band aid. <laughs> oh. So then we get Hank and Peggy back in the bedroom, and uh, Hank's trying to read, and Peggy's kind of mentions like, "Why don't you put on your glasses?" And he's just like, "Only old people use glasses. I use mine for you know driving, running, and jumping." <laughs> Uh, but he, of course he's trying to seem younger and that's why he can't get to sleep at night is because he's haunted by the dreams of Kane Skredeberg. Yeah. So he gets the, so he, what he does is he sees that Peggy's painting her toenails and the paint sends him into one of, into a, a Nom-esque flashback. Oh. Oh. And... And he's so the in the flashback it's mostly like green and purples and blue and and he's uh, yeah running running away from being shot and everybody's head starts turning and morphing and everything's like weird animation and it's like very nightmare psychedelic yeah. sort of. Um, it really reminds me of what I kind of go back to think in this episode. They kept trying to shout out. Uh, Beavis and Butthead, mm. because this this scene reminds me a lot of the Ratfink Suicide Tanks and Cannibal Girls song by White Zombie that is used okay. in the in the Beavis and Butthead Do America movie. Um, and I don't know if you remember the scene, but they're like, yeah, they're like uh, hallucinating in the desert because they're out of water oh, and yeah, stuff yeah. and and I think I think a lot of the drawings may have been like inspired by or if not like designed by Rob Zombie himself mm -hmm. for that one um but either way I remember a friend of mine uh his older brother had the had a had a painting on his whole a wall in the basement of Beavis and Butthead from that scene just like all f psychedelic and shit. That's pretty cool. sweet. Pretty awesome. But yeah. but the yeah, teeth no, were really memorable. The teeth are actually what makes me say that yeah. it, it actually makes me think of that because that's it just that's what it looks like. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I guess they are both Mike Judge, mm -hmm. but I do feel like because they do use these nightmare scenes sparingly in yeah. other episodes. Yep. Um, even not just nightmare. I mean, I call. I think them our that, last one like, was uh, plastic white female with Bobby's going down the hallway. I think that was our last touch into a nightmare scene probably because there's not very many but yeah no those mm -hmm. i mean i guess that's just kind of what i call them but they're those <coughs> those like really fantastical animated <laughs> bits so yeah so hank sort of wakes up screaming and he's like oh those kids and peggy's wondering what's all right and uh, i'm really glad denim you brought up the deleted scene earlier where Hank's um, cooking the burger on the stovetop because this really um, kind of explains, like, because um, without the deleted scene, like, Peggy's barely in the episode to this point, and, this, and that deleted scene shows, like, Peggy noticing a problem in Hank, and, like, without that deleted scene, we don't really see Peggy notice the change in Hank, and um, Hank, Peggy kind of does, like, one of her, like, sort of typical inspirational speeches to Hank. You are Hank freaking Hill. 
The man who won the Texas Propane Association Blue Flame of Valor Award. The man who drove raccoon after raccoon out of our attic, armed only with a broom handle and a pillowcase. And the man whose sperm struggled through that tiny urethra God cursed you with to create our wonderful son. I like that Peggy gives us a little bit of foreshadowing for the next couple scenes here <laughs> about their struggle to to create Bobby yeah. and, as well as their excuse they used. <laughs> yeah, I believe Peggy says, uh, you're Hank Hill, you can do anything. And he goes, anything? <laughs> and he gives her that look. And then he runs the raccoons out of the attic. <gasps> Dad, the raccoons are back. I love it. I love that they. I didn't actually notice that. Though, like right now, they said that. They said that line up that oh, nicely. It's so funny too because Bobby just hops out of bed and like instantly like takes the pillowcase off of his pillow and goes <laughs> running. Yeah. And how afraid he is of like raccoons being in his attic. But Nathan, I remember you used to tell me stories in high, in high school about how you'd be trying to, like, sleep until, like, noon or whatever, and there'd be all this, like, rummaging around outside, and it was always a family of... No, the raccoons come out at night. <laughs> but, yeah, we used to have a problem with raccoons as well. And, and he always sleeps till noon. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Did, did you ever go out there with, like, problems. a fucking shovel and a pillowcase? Oh, man, they're scary, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They are scary. I used to work at a pub when I was like 15 washing dishes and at the end of the night like taking the trash out there was some mean fucking like massive raccoons all, always fronting on me. All I do is is like cuz my my bedroom window was right by uh, the garbage cans and all I do is bang on the window and they just kind of look at me and then go back to eating the garbage. <laughs> <laughs> they know you're not going to do nothing. <laughs> so Moving on to the next day, Hank wakes up and he decides he's going to rally the troops one more time. So he uh, he gathers the gang together, and I believe Dale is uh, instantly very against it. He, is this uh, when we start turning into the weird old guys of the block who can't open up their doors without finding a flaming fudge bag on the mat? Or do we fight back? What do you yeah. think we should Let's fight? Oh, we fight good. back a lot hard, too. fight, man. <laughs> so they go trucking down the road to Cade Scudderberg's house to demand a rematch. Hank goes, if you got any guts, you'll be there. And Kane can't make it because his muscle cars. <laughs> Sorry, Pops. My car broke down. <sighs> rematch. Tomorrow. Noon. If you've got any guts, you'll be there. <laughs> so the guys, um, they fix Kane's car. All of them uh uh, it looks pretty easy. They put it together pretty quickly. And this is the first time that the Internet Movie Cars database has let me down. There was no info on Kane Scudderberg's car. So I was thumbing through um, many different muscle cars, trying to figure out what it was. And Kane's car has vertical headlights, which is a feature not found on very many muscle cars. So I've nailed it, narrowed it down, and I believe it to be a third-generation Mercury Comet which would have been made between 1966 and 1967. Um, there's a spoiler on Kane's car and also some really greasy flames. I assume those were aftermarket. Custom. <laughs> but um, if anyone else has any other opinions on what that car could be, feel free to let me know because I am genuinely curious. I, I, I feel like the spoiler may have been made from a couple hockey sticks <laughs> and a 2 by 4 <laughs> Yeah, J-Rock fixed it up for him. <laughs> no, same. Same. So anyways, that brings us to uh, the first rematch that they go through. 
And immediately we see that Hank and the boys lost the battle terribly. They come driving back in the truck, and the truck itself is covered in paint. And they step out, and they're covered in paint. And I was made me made me wonder because, like, I mean, Hank Hill could have an entire episode about being mad that somebody painted his car with a paintball gun. Yeah, no. Doubt. Is that stuff just come off the hose, or what's yeah, the deal that there? stuff comes off of the hose. Oh, so you it won't, it won't. As long as you get it, like you know, day of. Okay. No worries. It'll come right off. Eh? The last time I played paintball, the dude who runs the paintball place literally shot his car in front of us to demonstrate like what it looks like oh, when it gets. Yeah. Then it doesn't matter. <laughs> he was like, "Here, I'll shoot my fucking car." So like, if I get it on my sweater, it's gonna come out. Is that oh, the yeah, idea? Yeah. Okay. It'll go away unless All you're right. fucking Bill. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. Yeah. Unless you let it sit for a while, and then you'll get like kind of a faint stain of where the spray was, because I've had that happen to a couple sweaters, because I am. Lazy. <laughs> Fair enough. So yeah, that leads us to believe that like they not only destroyed them on the paintball field, but chased them through the fun center into the parking lot and continued to berate Hank's truck as they drove away. <laughs> like, uh, can you imagine the visual of like the four guys running and trying to jump in Hank's truck like the Dukes of Hazards? See, I imagined it was more like a execution scene in front of the truck, and the truck was like a was just collateral damage. <laughs> is what I imagined. They marched them back to the truck, but. Yeah, they could have uh, chased him right through the fun center. You think the instructor, the referee that was in charge of this, would not let them leave the field with the paintball guns? <laughs> you think they'd be chased down? You, you saw that kid, right? Yeah, I saw <laughs> him. He wasn't fucking doing nothing. He's probably a big fan of the stubborn stains. So now they're back in the alley. And of course, they've accepted the fact that they're old. Mm-hmm. Yepper. Yep. Yep. Yes, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and that yes, sorry is if you didn't notice is of course um, voice or is uh, is said by Pops, the elderly neighbor, and at, the elderly neighbor. And at this point, the guys have uh, conceded defeat, and they're just gonna accept the fact that they are old. So they just need, need an old older guy in the group is <laughs> yeah. show them the ways. Yeah. So uh, this is the first appearance of Ted Papacito, a.k.a. Pops, who is Bill's next door neighbor. Uh, Pops is voiced by legendary voice actor Jim Cummings, who has been in hundreds of animated shows and movies, including DuckTales, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, The Little Mermaid, Goof Troop, Darkwing Duck, The Lion King, The Page Master, Sonic the Hedgehog, Pocahontas, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Balto, The Tick, Earthworm, Jim, and the, and the Mighty Ducks, just to list a few. Did you yeah. say Balto? Yes. I fucking love that movie. I put, like, literally, he has, I think, over 500 uh, credits on IMDb as a voice actor. Yeah. And I was like, I'm putting Balto in because that brought me back to being, like, six years old and shedding a tear for yeah. Balto. Dude, I know. Actually, it's funny that you actually said that because this week Balto came up when I was telling my girlfriend because she had never seen Balto. Oh. And I was like, I was like, it's about a dog. It's great. How had you ever seen this? Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, Balto's great. Yeah, so, um, but Mr. Mr. Cummings, he's best known for being the voice of Winnie the Pooh and Tigger since 1988, including the uh, the Christopher Robin movie that uh, which was released just uh, just last year. And the Tigger movie. The Christopher Robin movie. No, 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 no. Was he in the Tigger movie? What was oh, it yeah. called? The Tigger movie. He would be. He's, Is it called the Tigger movie? Yeah. He's yeah. done everything Winnie the Pooh Tigger since 1988. 1988. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So. 
And then oh, most of it, I guess. Yeah, 77 like, was the first Winnie the Pooh movie, I think. I'm not sure. Is it's, this a Winnie the Pooh podcast? <laughs> it is now. But I mean, like, we talk a lot about the voice actors and how they're all kind of like the jack of all trades. Like, this guy is literally like what voice actors aspire to be. Like, Disney saw what he did in like a couple things and was like, every, literally everything they've done since, he's been one of the driving factors. And I want, so is he mainly, like, is he been a star in much, or is he mostly, like, a jack-of-all-trades kind of character? It kind of, it escalated. Like, beginning for, he would just do, like, what David Herman does on King of the Hill. Like, any other kind of background, small, one-line kind of character, he would do that. And then his kind of talents grew, and then he got latched on to Winnie the Pooh, and then, yeah, like, fucking So he's... Pretty good at saying, oh, bother. I guess okay, I guess Winnie the Pooh sounds like an but old man. That's that's what I was going to say, yeah, is that Winnie the Pooh kind of sounds like that yes sir by, yeah. by Papacito. Then it's agreed. We're old. Ah, get used to it. You're in for the downhill ride of your life. And right about this time, it looks like Bill might need a fresh coat. <laughs> and Bill gets shot again. <laughs> There's... Kane Scrutterberg just drive by, shoots him, standing up in the back of a pickup, driving through the alley. Terrorizing. Jedi center of the forehead, too. Right? Like, and knocks him over. Twice. Dead. And the, like, just the impact and the, his head over heels, like, just is, like, <laughs> it's so dramatic. Yeah, it's so funny, because they're just, like, left standing there with, like, their hands in their pocket and, like, their friend on the ground, like, probably concussed, and they're, like... <laughs> And they and they have, like pops is like don't try and understand him just shake your fist at him yeah. and they're at the end of the they alley. won't come back they're at the end of the alley and say looks like they want another coat <laughs> he comes back around and shoots Bill in the chest <laughs> oh you know, like in that moment like Hank and the boys like except that's the rest of their life like <laughs> yeah so this is the real turning moment here this is when Hank's like. Well, we got to do what Pops never did. We've got to get inside the mind of a teenager and figure out how they work. That's how we're going to beat them. So, yeah, we got a real cool montage of the guys and all of, uh, except Boomhauer. I guess he uh, he doesn't hang out with teenagers. <laughs> yeah, I was wondering about that. Like, what's he doing? <laughs> yeah, he's at Showwins picking up chicks, probably. <laughs> but, um, yeah, the first one, uh, I believe, is... It is Bill. Uh, he's cutting the hair of a bunch of new recruits, uh, I'm guessing teenagers, and he's shaving them all, and while uh, one's getting shaved, everybody else is just pointing and making fun of the dude getting shaved. And, uh, of course, Bill writes down that teenagers can be so cruel. And then he calls the next one Pimples and tells him to get in the chair. <laughs> yeah, and then next we, uh, next person we see doing research is Dale, and he's spraying... Over at the Cheese and Fries Superstore, which is, I guess, a fast food restaurant. And um, so he's spraying, and um, one of the teenagers calls him an idiot because he's getting <laughs> poison all over his veggie burrito. <laughs> and uh, we also see, like, two other teenagers in the background. One's wearing a shirt called, it says, Thrash Rats on it, and the other one says, Billy Joe Gun. Um... They look like band shirts, but I'm pretty sure they're not real bands. Do you guys know anything about that? I think the obvious reference is Billy Joe Armstrong mm -hmm. uh, yeah. from Green Day. I then what I was 
I guess what I had assumed was just that maybe that was something of a stage name he used to call himself back in the day or like maybe a band name he once had. That's what I totally thought too. Like, you know, that would be something he did prior. Maybe that's what he used to call himself when he was younger or whatever. But like I, I did some digging into it and I, I wasn't going to talk about it because I couldn't find any concrete evidence. But there was uh, two notable men from Texas named Billy Joe Gunn, one of which was a Texas Ranger who served for like a super long time and he was like, you know, very well respected in that. But I, I didn't want to get into it. I don't know if that's actual the connection or if it's just hearsay, maybe a coincidence, but certainly interesting anyway. And I guess there's a deleted scene. Actually. I like that one at the burger world stand more than the deleted, uh, Dale investigation scene, but they have one of him in a, he's just wandering through like a, like a clothing store, but a pretty hip clothing store with a bunch of young teens wandering around and like they're, and he just says, don't mind me just taking notes sort of thing. And they're like, well, this guy's a narc. And they leave. <laughs> they call him a narc. And then he, his note is just. Uh, oh, police make teenagers uncomfortable. Police make teenagers uncomfortable. Yeah, I actually forgot to add what um, at the cheese and fries superstore, the note that Dale took was that teenagers have no respect for man in uniform. Last but not least, we have Hank, and he is spying on Luann and Buckley, having a riveting conversation at the Megalomart. Yeah, Buckley's building a beans display, and Luann is talking to him from uh, the floor. And uh, Hank's taking notes in the background, and Luann's telling him about Kane and how she's invited to the Park and Ride concert. I don't know. I don't trust this guy. Well, if you're so worried, come with me. Kane told me to bring a friend for the drummer. Oh, you mean it? <laughs> I like it that it's Kane, the drummer for Green Day, saying that there's a drummer because he wants to be included. <laughs> and Buckley's looking to be a roadie. <laughs> of some sorts. But, uh, and then uh, Luann says that there's some sugar in aisle three for Buckley. And, of course, he... Uh, swoons and falls over and Hank takes the note that uh, girls make teenagers act funny. Teenagers are clumsy around girls. Clumsy, yeah. So I guess after they decided they did enough research. <laughs> <laughs> One note each. You think they'd be practicing paintball, but. <laughs> <laughs> One, two, three, four, two, four. Hank and the boys go to the paintball field and uh, confront Kane and the band and demand another re rematch. And Kane's like, how did you find us here? And Hank's like, well, it's a school day, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and um, so they're like, they agree to a rematch. And then Hank's like, why don't we put a wager on this one? And um, it's uh, Bill's leaf blower that doesn't work against <laughs> their their amplifiers, which doesn't seem like a fair deal, but they go with it, so. Uh, I wonder if, I wonder if, I wonder if Hank's using his coupons from the Ireland Bystander <laughs> for, this, yeah. for this afternoon paintball match. Must be, because this brings us to the final paintball showdown between Hank and the boys and Kane and the... Stubborn. Stubborn stains. 
And uh, this time the boys got the upper hand because uh, first up is Bill who takes a dive. Yeah, Bill's uh, wandering around talking super loudly, just like being a bumbling fool. And like he plays a really good bumbling fool. Well, he, he's <laughs> trying to stop the match because he's got a sprained ankle or something. <laughs> yeah, he goes, guys, I am hurt. <laughs> Whatever he says, he falls down. And the, uh, the, the, the stubborn stains come rushing in and they get shot. And uh, next up. But so does Bill. Bill's out at this yep. point. Oh, yeah. Bill also gets shot. But I mean. He was going to get shot anyway. That's how he proves that teenagers can be so cruel. Yeah. And next up is Dale. And now he has a clever little ruse for another member of the Stubborn Stains. Yeah, Dale's hiding down the bottom of like a, a watchtower or something. And he, he's, got his, he's got his tape, his little Walkman, and it plays uh, Luann's, I guess, answering machine. Where just a, just a teenager girl's voice is enough to scare this stained stupid. And he, he falls down and Dale's able to shoot him. And then in a celebratory uh, show, Dale also eliminates Boomhauer. <laughs> and I believe at this point, Dale himself also gets shot. Shortly after, because he yeah, just by, keeps celebrating. By Kane. By Kane, exactly. Yeah, Dale's talking about how he's like the world's greatest killing machine. <laughs> and then he gets sniped. And then it's down to just Hank versus Kane. Now, yeah. Nathan, what does Hank do to win this match? Well, I was going to say earlier that... Um, Boomhauer didn't do any research, so his strategy was to just hide in a tree. <laughs> Did not work out for him. And, yeah, it didn't work out for him, but it might have if Dale didn't shoot him. <laughs> well, he could have got Kane right next. He definitely yeah. could have. So, uh, so, yeah, now it's just down to Hank and Kane, who, um, yeah, it's just two of them. And um, Kane's kind of wandering, looking for Hank, and then you kind of see Hank run around in the background. It's it's very cool looking. Like I really like it. And um, Kane goes up to who he thinks is the ball retriever, <laughs> ask him if some pot-bellied old guy um, <laughs> has come around here. And then um, Hank, Hank, who Kane thinks is the ball retriever, directs him a certain way up the riverbed to cover his tracks. <laughs> and like Hank is the most recognizable. Yeah, voice. he doesn't change his voice or anything. <laughs> Does any ball guy really have that much military <laughs> strategy yeah. knowledge? Yeah, like why would the ball guy give a shit that he's going up the riverbed <laughs> to cover his tracks? That's but right. I don't know. I feel like Kane's probably not the smartest guy, so he's like, "All right, thanks." Well, it took him a minute to figure out that uh, oh, yeah. four. Minus three was one. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, Hank ends up shooting Kane in the end, and they win, and the band loses. Yeah, there's a nice little slow mo shot of uh, Kane just, you know, getting splattered by paintballs. And then, you know, it's Hank's big moment, and you'd think that he's trying to beat his son's bully, and it cuts over to Bobby. I love Hank before that. I love Hank's line of just, like, when he's, like, you're going to love the world of acoustics. Oh. Like, it made me think of, of that episode written by Johnny Hardwick and directed by Bonnie Young. 
uh, Hank's Got the Willies. Oh, of course. It totally like was yeah. the next time I was I thought of Hank and a guitar in yeah. the same like working together. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, maybe this was their little like their guitar baby that they had to. Keep I wonder, going. and I like that Johnny Hardwick at least kind of keeps that alive. Totally. You know, he's, he's thinking. But anyway, yeah, yeah I love, I, I love, <laughs> I love that this is like after he delivers a cool line. Yeah, and he's like, you look over to his son. Hey, his scoop's bigger. <laughs> <laughs> he just had the ice cream thing with fucking Joseph. It's always something else. So the guys win. The guys win. They have beat the punks of Rainy Street, and they are continue to be the reigning champions of Rainy Street. And we pan back to Kane Skederberg's house while they're feebly trying to play their electric instruments without any power. Because <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> yes, because, you know, obviously Hank's good on his deal. He's taking that fucking amplifier. <laughs> oh, yeah. And now they're with Pops, and they are celebrating. They actually light up a flaming fudge bag, as Hank refers it to as a... Paper bag filled with dog shit, and they light it on fire at Kane's house. Who could that be? Good lord! That could start a fire! <laughs> <laughs> now what's happening? He's stomping it good. <laughs> and there's duties in there, right? There sure is, Pops. There sure is. I actually tried to do that one time. <laughs> with some friends I mean I didn't do it I was a bystander but it was pretty funny except that it was way too windy and he couldn't get the bag lit so he just ran and left a bag of dog too <laughs> on somebody's step was I with you? uh no okay I was 100% with you oh in grade 12? yeah I don't we didn't light it on fire we didn't light it on fire but a friend of ours definitely pooped in a bag <laughs> and then and then when he when we drove to our Target's house um, We put it in a plastic bag And hung it from the rear Like windshield wiper Of your car Because we didn't want it in the car Obviously not well, That grossed me out so much Like It's supposed to be a dog Not a person like... <laughs> Yeah we went to that same pub That you were, were that you used to work at And we collected a bunch of rotten Tomatoes and fish And just their old stuff <laughs> Yeah, we can maybe cut that out. <laughs> yeah, okay, we enjoyed that. All right, we'll see. We'll keep it in. So that concludes the episode. Now, Denim, I want to hear your thoughts on this particular episode. So, I mean, this episode, like, I, I have a, like, I love it. This is like, I don't know. This probably is my number one. If you asked me before the show, <laughs> they're all your. Number I know one. they're all my number one. <laughs> they're all my number one. But, but this one was like. In if, number one plus. No, this one was like definitive King of the Hill for me. Got yeah. Like these so much from this episode was like adopted into my life. And just like I mean, we always quoted it and I just loved this one. This was one of my more favorite ones when I would thought about King of the Hill. Um Having watched it, it's not as it's a really funny episode. It's a really oh, good yeah. episode. It's not maybe like uh, the most emotionally like invested or interesting. It doesn't further much. I mean, the thought of have Hank realizing he's an old guy is is funny. Mm-hmm. But and I'm glad that they don't do it often because like, I mean, that's pretty self aware. And Hank is an old 
guy. Like Hank's a dad, right? Like he's yeah. not like an old guy. He's a dad. He's middle aged. He's totally a dad. Like he's the guy who says, "Let's rock and roll." When he leaves a restaurant. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, he's and I like. I, I like this episode a lot. It, it, it's definitely the funniest. Yeah. For this uh, episode for me, it is the first time I've ever seen it. Uh, and it's got a lot of things that I love. It has like three scenes with Peggy. It's got punk rock. And it's got arcade games. So I really liked everything about this episode. And it was pretty sweet. So hilarious. And I'm excited for the next week's. That's pretty much uh, my sum up of this episode. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree. Low on Peggy, heavy on the boys. Yeah. Uh, fucking, uh, the Cage Gretenberg is amazing. Uh, Trey Cool does such a fantastic job, and I love when they don't play themselves. Like It's not like, here's the band Green Day on King of the Hill. It's yeah, them, yeah. them being uh, an actors, which I think just gives so much more to the episode and to them being in the episode, not just being like, you know what I mean? I just, I, just how many uh, internet profiles have you named Kane Scredeberg over the years, Miles? <laughs> At least one. When I did it, Nathan was like, "Damn you!" <laughs> yeah, I have something named, but I, I was mixed up. I thought it was the whole time I named any of my internet profiles. I thought it was Kane Scredenberg with an N. Uh, so I always misspelled it. Actually, oh yeah, interesting fact. <laughs> <laughs> but Nathan, how, wh- what? Nathan, how did you feel about this episode? Yeah, well, this this is probably like I don't know if it's my favorite, but it's bless you. It's certainly one of my favorites. Um, I actually haven't seen this episode in a long time before watching it, like for this podcast, just because I've seen it so many times as like a teenager, and it definitely didn't disappoint. Like I love this episode; it's so funny. I mean, we see Hank vulnerable for uh, like we see Hank's vulnerable side in this episode, which we don't see too often. And um, I, I was always a big fan of Green Day growing up, and like, I, I they'll always like be a special band to me, and yeah, I really like it. Yeah, I'm a little, you know, I I love Green Day too, and this I I'm a little I I regret to say I've never seen them live. Have you ever seen them? No, I haven't. I think I had a chance in like '07 or '08, but. It just, like, wasn't when I was into them. They were, like, kind of, like, stale milk and American Idiot at that time. And someone asked me if I wanted to go, and it was just, like, nah. I remember American Idiot. I would, like, walk to school to that song and, like, walk to the beat of Holiday. Like, I was fucking the coolest kid on earth. I actually remember we were probably in grade 8, I think, when American Idiot, the album, came out. And, uh, no, I think we were in grade 8. Maybe 8. I did. I I got it in when we were in grade eight anyway, and it was because it was a big deal. Well, okay, let me rephrase that. <clears throat> they came to Vancouver when we were in grade eight oh. because there was a lot of our friends that went to that show, and I remember one of them gave me the CD uh, of American Idiot, and I was already like, "Oh, Green Day was cool, but Green Day's lame now," and like I don't know why I said that because I liked that album. <laughs> it's just like it was like the unpopular opinion. When I was, like, listening to Kiss and New York Dolls. Yeah, that's funny, actually. I mean, we can cut this out if you want. <laughs> but um, when I first started hanging out, the first one of you guys I hang out with was Denim. And um, I was, like, huge into Green Day in, like, grade 6, 7, and 8. And I started hanging out with Denim at the end of grade 8. And my MSN profile picture was Dookie, like, just the album cover. 
and it was like later on in grade eight and like I started hanging out with Denim and I knew like him and all his buddies were into like more like classic rock and I was still into like Green Day and Blink-182 and I remember Denim asking me on MSN, he's like, oh, do you like Green Day? And I was like, oh, no, not really. That's just an old picture I've had of for a while. I was like completely denied liking Green Day. But even though I like, I loved Green Day at the time and I loved American Idiot too, but... Uh, I don't know. It was just funny. That's so funny. I mean, yeah, American Idiot at the time I was embarrassed to say I liked, and uh, now I'm like, no, I liked that record. But yeah, they I, definitely lost it on the the is it 21st century the 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 brick wall uh, cover. It, I don't know. I just remember that song, 21 Guns. Yeah, it's not very good. No, I didn't know that was a cover, but. Yeah, those are pretty lame too. And and I will say. Um, American Idiot, like, it's good, but it does, you definitely, like, see the cracks in it. Like, it's when they kind of start sucking a little bit, even though I still really like it. It's a definitely different scene than they're used to. Yeah. And the message here, folks, is always be yourself. Yeah. <laughs> even if yourself is 45 years old, mowing a lawn, just own it. Exactly. Just own it. So with that, I'd like to adjourn this meeting uh, with a final round table, Wima Tanya. Wima Tanya! Want to hear more Order of the Straight Arrow? Join the conversation on Twitter at Utsakothpod or follow us on Instagram at Utsakothpod or look for us on Facebook at Order of the Straight Arrow, a King of the Hill podcast. Catch new episodes every Sunday night. Please share this podcast with your friends and feel free to contact us by email at Utsakothpod at gmail.com. Please, no hate mail. Hey, what's your crying for, boy? This is a good show. This is a damn good show. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are our own and in no way reflect the views and opinions of Mike Judge, Greg Daniels, or Fox Studios. The external audio used in this podcast is not owned by the Order of the Straight Arrow or its affiliates and is presented in good faith to its copyright owners. Please don't sue us. <laughs>